for the Agile community. www.agile.fm Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Agile FM. Today I'm here with Stefan Nötberg who is the author of two books, that is uh, Monotasking, that was released in 2020, and a little bit earlier, Pomodoro Technique Illustrated, uh, I believe it was in 2011, that was forwarded by the uh, uh, one of the creators of the Pomodoro Technique, Francesco Girillo and uh, Henrik Nieberg. So uh, what we have here with Stefan is a person that is very well connected with the Agile community, as well as it is super interesting topic of monotasking, what we want to talk about today. He's an Agile coach. Um, he lives in uh, Stockholm, Sweden, as well as in Istanbul, Turkey, if I'm uh, uh, informed here correctly. He has trained thousands of people on improving their personal productivity. He has sold over 700,000 copies of his book. I'm super thrilled to have you on the podcast, Stefan. Uh, thank you for being here. Thanks you for having me. Yeah, this is uh, this is awesome. We want to talk today, uh, really about monotasking. Uh, that is that is obviously your latest book, um, and uh, we want to connect a few dots because this could be super interesting for everybody listening to this uh, podcast today from two angles. One of them is um, individually improving their productivity as a as a person, you know, in everyday life situations as well as professionally at work. Uh, but also how we can connect monotasking maybe to agile teams and agile roles. Maybe we can touch on that as well. So I think these are the two angles we want to uh, explore here a little bit today. Uh, mono, um, as, as part of that title, if I go back in times and I'm like just thinking about audio, mono was something that I would now relate with something negative, right? Mono is like it's simple and uh, and everything we're like all thinking about stereo at this point dolby stereo um you're saying mono in terms of tasking is something for the future what is monotasking stefan yeah so, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that the mono mono is something negative because i think that the in job ads maybe 10 years ago or 20 years ago um there were often the demand for people that were they, they, they were looking for property property that said you you can juggle many balls at the same time. That's right. Uh, that's what we're looking for. And nowadays maybe they say you should be able to finish something, to complete something. And that's and in order to do that, maybe you shouldn't start so many things and all these Kanban things that has been popular now for 20 years in right. the software industry is very much about this stop starting and, and start finishing. So right. don't, and, and uh, whip limits and things like that. But I mean, the, the, the monotasking method then uh, came out. I, I wrote this Pomodoro Technique book, which is a personal productivity method. It's, a, it's particularly concerned about uh, focusing on focusing. So uh, how, how do you really focus? But I wanted to see this broader, and I read many, many personal productivity books, and I think most of them, almost everyone, uh, or, or almost none of them, consider complexity and cohesion. Mm. Uh, I will explain what, what I mean by cohesion. They, they, like These books are often... Yeah, or these books, these, these methods, these processes are often made by engineers, 
people like like you and me, programmers or software engineers. And uh, the idea in them is often to like keep a list or multiple lists of uh, uh, in like in uh, uh, ship shape and Bristol fashion. Do you say ship shape and Bristol fashion in the US or is that a British idiom? Which one is that? Ship shape and Bristol fashion this is one of my, my favorite idioms. Yeah, I it didn't means that have everything under control and, and yeah. everything. Yeah, we need to add. You need to have the link in in the show notes yes. about Britain. This definitely, we definitely so, need need a link for that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the idea of most personal productivity method is to have a lot of lists, and they should be perfect all the time, and uh, they should contain a lot of ideas, everything that you you plan to do and why you're doing it, and so. And then there's the the processes are often kind of if else logic. So if this happened, do that. If that happened, do this. Uh, but they are, I mean, that, that, that maybe works for you and me and other engineers, but for most people, uh, it demands too much discipline and it doesn't really accept that there are humans that are going to use these methods. So I wanted to create something that is more creative and more um, suitable for humans Mm -hmm. So, so not like you're a silo and uh, you are, are feeded from the top with the new tasks and you work on them and you complete them and just throw them out because there is a, some cohesion. You have your uh, co-workers and your, your teammates and you have your uh, stakeholders, you have your product managers, you have your customers and all these people, they change their mind and sometimes, sometimes they say they want something. Uh, but they changed they change the mind or they didn't explain it in a way that you understood really so you started to do something else so it's not really only about uh, taking a task completing it and doing that as fast as possible and with the highest quality yeah it's more like you're part in a, in a big ecosystem right and uh, you need to manage within that ecosystem yeah uh, and I think that in that way, if you think of personal productivity in that way, it, it can be hard to have uh, like saying that you should do exactly like this and exactly like that, that maybe you should think more in arranging your environment and your circumstances to, to have the best, the, the best possibilities to succeed. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I started to read a lot of books and papers about uh, what, what science says about uh, human cognition and uh, evolution and psychology. And so and I tried to create a method which is a little bit different from other methods that like em embraces the human intuition and the human cognition and human heuristics so mm -hmm. that uh, um, you don't have to maintain, you, there, you don't have to maintain all these lists and doing all this documentation. And instead, you can use intuition and, in most cases, do the correct choices anyway. Because we, we, as humans, are very good in this complexity if we use our intuition to see what is most important and what is, what is not most important. Right. So it's interesting, right? So first and foremost, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that I'm not the only one who experiences uh, stakeholders changing their uh, minds on, on things. So I'm, I'm kidding. Obviously, I think this is a, this is a huge problem in our, um, in, in our, uh, 
you know, work in general. I think that's typical, but it's also fascinating. What I've heard, um, I don't know if you would second that, is uh, that humans are pretty much incapable of, of multitasking, right? So um, it's uh, some basic things we can do. We can walk and talk at the same time, right? I don't think that's going to cause a conflict, but we cannot work on two different kinds of systems at the same time uh, that causes a conflict, obviously, and that's where we're transitioning. So you're saying already with monotasking, you're saying like work with a reduced list of tasks, right? I believe you're mentioning something about like five short lists or something like that, or like five items or five tasks or something. Um, and, and, and why is that? Why is, why is the list uh, short? I'm, we're not saying we're working on five items at the same time, right? We're just saying there's a list of five items, right? But why, why the number five and why is it so short or um, why does the list exist? What, what's your reasoning behind it? I'm just curious. So, so you're right about multitasking that uh, most people, well, we can multitask if you don't have to pay attention to things like breathe and walk at the same time. But mm -hmm. most people can't pay attention to more than one thing. And when we think that we are doing that, like we're listening to a lecture and we're taking notes, we're actually task switching. So we're switching back and forth. And when we're task switching, uh, we make more errors, science shows and or research shows, uh, and uh, we're slower and we forget about good ideas. And uh, in general, it's not the be best way to complete things from what we learned in Lean, for example, when we're doing many things. And um, so one, one idea here in the book is, or in this method, is the shortlist, as you mentioned. Okay. And the shortlist is like in the morning, from the top of your head, write down five things on a paper, on a piece of paper, instead of uh, looking at your, you know, in, in, in my trainings, I have an exercise where, where I ask people to, to, um, to write down every source of tasks that they have. And they think a little about it and they say, I have some things in my brain. I have something in my email inbox. I have some things in Trello and I have some things in Jira. Mm -hmm. I have some things on my refrigerator and I have some post-its on my display. And there's a lot of sources of the, all these tasks. Right. And then, then uh, the next step is to, to look at all these and say, roughly how many tasks do I have in each of these? And uh, usually it aggregates to something between uh, 80 and uh, 200. Wow. So like if you have 200 tasks, or if you have 100 tasks, it's impossible to make a prioritization to choose the best one because you, you can think about 100 tasks at the same time and say, which one of these is most important right now? Mm -hmm. So instead, when you start the morning, write down maximum five tasks on a piece of paper in front of you. Maximum five. And these are small tasks. So they should, if you estimate them, if you estimate them roughly, you don't have to write down. It should not be things that takes more than two hours or something like that. It should be things that, that tasks that takes 10 minutes to two hours, some, something in this. If, if they are bigger, then you should break something out and put that on, on, on your list. And, and this is not a plan. It's not a, a competition or some kind of... Uh, gamification so that this, these are the five that I'm going to complete today. It's more like uh, 
moving away the tension of, of ga- gamification. Instead of saying, these are my five candidates for my next, um, the, the, what I'm going to pay attention to next. Right. And then you don't have to think about anything else. All the other 100 tasks that you have promised someone or that you have thought about that you perhaps should do. So, so you, because you have in front of you only these five. Five is not magic, of course, but five is a, is a number that uh, usually we can look at five things and maybe uh, compare them together. If we come to six, seven, eight, nine, then we have to make to, to look at, at some of them. So maybe you should have, have, a, a, have less than five, but not, not more than five, I believe, for most people. Right. Yeah, and then, then you pick one of these and say, I'm going to focus on this one. And you set an alarm, maybe to the next hour or something like that, to remind you to not stay too long. Because maybe when you have worked with that one, after an hour, you need to take a break. Or maybe you should reprioritize because you didn't believe that this was, uh, this was going to take this long time that it, that it took. So uh, you need some alarm to wake mm-hmm. you up. And then you just start focusing on that, that single task. And during the day, if, if something comes up, you get a new idea, either, either you should write it down and put it somewhere else, or you need to trade away something from your shortlist. You should never have more than five, five things on your, on your shortlist. Mm-hmm. And this, this uh, many people try this and say it works. For some people, it doesn't work, but you need to, you need to try yourself. And, be, and you know, we, we are different, so it might not be suitable for everyone. Right. I think you just answered the, my next question, but I just want to clarify, right? Because that is the bridge to my, my next topic about uh, agility here is, um, so it, the, the list is maximum five, right? Let's say this as a, as a number here to work with, right? What would happen if like that stakeholder out there changes his mind and there would be a sixth item or a seventh item? Because there is the risk that the list is going to grow. So you're saying like, keep it at five, right? Something has to go from that list. Yep. yep. Just to keep it manageable. Keep it to maximum five. Maybe yeah. you have completed something, so you only have four or three. Yeah. And of course, these numbers are heuristics. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can use any number, but it's good to put the limit and see, and see yeah, how, yeah. how much. But uh, the, the five is a good starting number, yeah. according to me, at least. Yeah, and there is also uh, in your book. Um, I don't, I don't know the the uh, from the top of my head. I don't know the exact details here right now. But you also have some advice on the time boxing, right? How much time would be dedicated to these tasks? So let's say you're starting a task, let's say at ten twenty-five uh, in the morning, uh, that that timer would be set to eleven o'clock or something like that. So there's some some concrete advice in your book. But the time box is relatively manageable and short too, right? So it's short working increments before you take a break. Yeah, a break or reprioritize. You, you look at your shortlist again and see, should I continue with this one or should I uh, move on and do something else? Maybe because I completed that one or maybe something else became more prioritized. But you trust during that period, the, that time box, you, mm-hmm. you trust your pri- prioritization. I think that you shouldn't you, you should distinguish between focusing and prioritizing so when you have decided to focus then you need to um, exploit mm-hmm. that and 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 trust that you have chosen the right one if something else comes up write it down or or, or something like that but uh, 
don't uh, change your business idea every yeah. fifth minute just because something comes up. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so, so what I what I would like to touch on is, and, and I think that is the connect we have with the Pomodoro technique, right? Where it's also um, a timer is involved and uh, time intervals. Uh, so, time boxing just in the agile world in general is a is a is a good uh, strategy. Um, now, I do know that um, let's say in Scrum, the product backlog is not necessarily a list of tasks, right? But it's just to see a container of things. Um, um, to be to be worked on eventually, but also the sprint backlog has a, has items uh, in it. Let's say a product backlog very often has more than five items in it. Um, how would your idea like map to like some some agile teams? Um, you know, the saying like some of those monotasking techniques could be applied to a personal level. Is there anything we can do as a team? Is there anything a, an, an agile team could do, like a Scrum team or a Kanban team or something like that, that says like we're going to start introducing monotasking techniques to make us more uh, productive, effective as a team, but also help us with the prioritization, ordering effort, as well as uh, you know, just like staying focused. Is, is there any connect between those techniques? For, and this, you know. I think so. One thing is, of course, that you, you can learn from monotasking and then scale it to the team level and think what, what would that mean to do the same thing on the team level? Mm-hmm. And uh, But another thing is that what I talk about cohesion. So the team members are part of the same ecosystem as you are. And if you're a team, yeah, then you probably have a shared goal. You have the same goal. Otherwise, you're more like a group of people that have the same manager or something like that. But right. but if your team, you have the same goal. So so what what you're looking for is to succeed with this goal together. And if you're all skilled in the in this method, the monotasking method, which which is a lot lot of thing about how to to progress and how to cooperate and how to treat stakeholders and, and recharging and so uh, but if you're all successful I think you're also responsible since you have a shared goal to support each other to help each other to be better at monotasking or whatever personal productivity method you're using so right. you you if as I said we want to arrange an environment and circumstances so, so that we can be productive as, as individuals. Mm-hmm. But that also, since we have a shared goal, means awesome. that we need to create circumstances, environment for a teammate so, so that they can be successful. Then, then there are, of course, mob programming and pair programming, and that, then you're working together. But when we work individually, we need to help each other to, to work individually in a good way also. It's not, not only that, I take care of my environment and my circumstances so that I can do monotasking or Pomodoro or GTD or something else. It's also that you should help other people with that. Yeah. So, so one thing I I wanted to clarify, and this is, this is a great connect between the team and uh, the individual and how this technique applies on, on different kinds of levels. I think that's great. Um, There's obviously a lot to take away from teams that have very long laundry list of things to do. Right. And just feel like they are not getting, you know, like their time or they're not using their time necessarily wisely. Um, that's what they're thinking, but they might not know like what is the what's the missing thing. And maybe it is something like that to really focus on a on a few things. Now, here's something, and I want to clarify this with you. If I read this right, if I heard this right, 
Um, it's fascinating because, um, you, you know, way, way back when I was uh, running, I did like cross country kind of running myself. There was always this thing of um, if there was a hill, let's say, you would always try to run up the hill. And if you if you had to take a break, you know, for whatever reason, it was right on the top of the hill, not before the top of the hill, because you wanted to make sure it's easy for you to restart running again. So stopping at the hill was always like seen as something like very hard to restart running again because you're already in the middle of a hill. But it was always when you're on the top of the hill, it was very easy for you to reel. Now, your monotasking is like about task is saying this, don't finish the task at the end of the day because it makes it easier to start and transition into the next day. And yeah. I when I saw that, I was like thinking about that. I was like, that is very interesting. Um, tell me like how... Uh, because it's so opposite to how people think, right? So it's like finishing a task before they go home, let's say at the end of the day, and might put these 10, 15 minutes extra in and say, I would just want to finish my task. But you're saying monotasking says, don't finish it all by the end of the day, because it makes it easier to start in the morning. Can you elaborate a little bit on this? Because I think that's great. Yeah, so uh, there was a, um, a researcher 100 years ago in Berlin called uh, Bluma Saikarnik. Uh, I think she came from Russia originally, but she worked in uh, with uh, psychology, researching psychology in Berlin. And she and her friends uh, went to the coffee shops in Berlin every day. And since they were psychologists, they had uh, so psychology researchers, they had a lot to talk about mm-hmm. uh, with each other. And so they stayed there for hours and they ordered things and uh, they had discussed things and then they ordered more and they discussed things. And after some hours, they called for the waiter and said, hey, waiter, can, can we pay now? Yeah. And then the waiter always knew exactly how much they had ordered, even though he didn't take any notes. And that was a little bit uh, provocative to a group of psychologist researchers. So they made an experiment one, one day. So they, they sat there discussing, ordering, discussing, ordering, and they say, hey, can we pay? And uh, the, the uh, waiter knew exactly how, how much they had ordered and they paid, but mm-hmm. then they stayed there for another 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then they called for the waiter again. And when the waiter came there, they asked him, uh, hey, how, how much did we pay 30 minutes ago? And what do you think he answered? He didn't know. He didn't know. He said, I've dropped that. How could I know now? So, so he, kn- he knew about it as long as it was like an open task to remember this. But as soon as, as they had paid, he dropped it. So uh, it didn't take any place in, in his brain. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was interesting. But this experiment is not very scientific because it was only one person. It's a very small sample. But right. Bluma went, went back. Uh, to her office and uh, made an experiment with, with uh, they had like it was 150 people or something like that and they got 20 tasks each, each. Uh, small things like creating a clay figure or uh, translating something from German to, to French or, or something and what they didn't know was a part of this experiment was that in uh, 10 out of these 20, they were interrupted. So Bluma came there and said, oh, you, I see you're working with task number six. 
uh, stop that and go on and, and work with task number seven. And afterwards, when, when, they, when they had uh, finished everything, uh, Bluma said, like, can you write down now all the 20 tasks that you worked on on the paper? And you know, if you have 20 things you have done, you, do, you won't remember all of them. So uh, then she counted, and uh, the fact was that those that they were interrupted in, they remembered twice as many of these compared to those that they had completed. Ooh, okay. so, so things that we haven't finished, that we have started, but, but we haven't finished, uh, demand room in our, our brain. Uh, but you can see it in a positive way that we are still analyzing them and working on them and thinking about them. Mm-hmm. So if we end the day, usually uh, if you're commuting, uh, you think that before I go home, I need to complete this, and then I will take a bus or, or take my car or something home. Mm-hmm. But if you, t- if you think in the other way and think like, before I leave the office, I need to start something and leave in the middle. I should have a red test if I'm a software uh, engineer. Yeah, uh, so uh, you start something and you, you leave in the middle. Then the next morning, you will be much eager to start with that one. And we knew about procrastination that uh, the hardest time the, the, where we procrastinate most is in the morning. If we can just stop procrastinating in the morning, then we will continue for the whole day because we have started something. So if we, if we instead start something before we go home, uh, then, then we will be very eager to start with that one uh, immediately when we come to the office. Uh, and usually when I tell this in trainings, someone raises their hand and say like, hey, I've tried that. And if I do that, I can't sleep for the whole night because I, I just have <laughs> this problem. So, and then, of course, you, you, you shouldn't uh, try, you shouldn't do this. But for many people who have tried this, this is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Wow, this is uh, this is cool. Now, this is quite interesting that that person had sleep problems uh, by by trying this, right? Because part of monotasking is also, you know, taking care of things like sleep and breaks and 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 healthy living. Why why is that like part of more? It's an interesting it's an interesting approach. So, with all that um, research and, and science that goes into something like this, um, it's also like to to do take breaks and to uh, to purposely slow down. Um, I don't know if that's exactly at those time limits of, of these tasks you're describing, but also to, uh, to just to, to sleep right, and have a healthy lifestyle that includes uh, nutrition and, and everything. Why, why is that so important? It's- so so the, the, the method or the, the book is divided into six different areas where one is, is called recharge creative thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- these are the, th- the six things that I suggest uh, that you should think about to be able to monotask, to be, to be able to focus. And one of these, there's Richard Creative Thinking says, I mean, I'm not the, the, the expert of, of a healthy living, I'm not, uh, personally. But what I've found, and I think most people agree on this, is that if you are going to be the best version of yourself, if you are going to be the best Joe tomorrow, yeah, uh, then you will have a much better probability or higher probability of being that if you have a healthy living, if if you sleep 
uh, the same hours every night, if you eat fruit and vegetables, if you exercise, and uh, mm -hmm. if you don't do that, it will be much harder to focus and focus on one thing. Yeah, that is that is also important for agile teams, right? They're very often I'm, you know, working with uh, teams or organizations where that is not part of the ritual, right? Um, and uh, for a variety of reasons, and sometimes it's just like, you know, what things are in organizations, but it is an important piece to point out, like we're humans, we're part of this, um, of, of let's say any kind of method and recharging is, is a key thing, right? How, do, how is something like that being incorporated into an, into an agile team, right? On an individual level, I think that that's, uh, that's, that's, that's a great idea and probably easier to do, right? Because it's me influencing my own, Thing, but how does it work on a team? We're not gonna say you, you guys go into sleeping chambers <laughs> during the day and taking breaks or anything like that. But how would how would that look like on a on a team level? I think first I want to say that it's not that you should be an Olympic athlete. It's more like uh, you can right. always be better than than what you were yesterday. But I think in an agile team, you know, in extreme programming, there's one of these uh, best practices was called, first called 40 hours week, and then it was changed to sustainable pace, if I remember correctly. It was a long time ago I read this book. So yeah. I think it's part of this, it, uh, ultimately it's a personal responsibility, of course, but as a team, you can create a culture where it's not cool to stay uh, the whole night to fix some bugs or something like that. You, you need to have a sustainable pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, as as Kent Beck pointed out already, and yeah. if I'm I thinking of this as a credit card, that if you overcharge the credit card, uh, you can buy something right now that you couldn't buy otherwise, but uh, you mm. will have to pay with interest in the long term, and that that's the same for teams. I think that mm -hmm. if they have a culture where they don't uh, take care of the people in the team. When mm -hmm. it comes to um, breaks and um, the, um, weekends and other things, mm -hmm. uh, then uh, they will have to pay with interest in the long term. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely uh, agree. And uh, that was part of extreme programming even before Agile Manifesto. Right? So this is deeply, deeply rooted, uh, sustainable pace and having. Uh, you know, if there was an overtime in a sprint or iteration, that there wouldn't be one in the following. So there was some form of balancing um, going on. Now, your book uh, itself, which is uh, great. I like visuals in the book, right? You drew them yourself, um, which is which is also great uh, to see those notes and uh, supported by visuals. I just like to read books like this. I think it just reinforces um, but you also say in this uh, um, monotasking, it, it's better for teams to or individuals to write by hand notes and journaling rather than on a laptop. I think it depends on what you're going to use use it for. If, if you're writing something that you want to distribute or the, that you want to save for a long time, it's much better to write in a computer, of course. Yeah. Uh, but if you want, want uh, your brain to digest things, to analyze it, you know, we, we learn from doing things, not from listening. When, when we listen to something like a podcast, we might get inspired. But right. if we don't do something about it or think about it or discuss it with someone, uh, then we will have forgotten about it one week later. So 
uh, there are a lot of research showing that if if you write down something, you need to like uh, think, and it's especially if you, if you draw something, if you make a, um, a mind mapping or or try to try to to think of it in in pictures. What does this mean? Or diagrams mm-hmm. connecting Sketch things. Noting. Sketch noting. Sorry? Yeah. Sketch yeah. noting, for example. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Uh, then you learn more. You, it it uh, stays in your head because you know the, the brain, the memory in the brain is not like a structured database. It's not like SQL. It's more like many many fragments of associations. And uh, when you have a new, you learn something new. And when you hear, hear something new, you need to connect it to some of these fragments. And when you think about it more. Then maybe some door opens in there or some frag- fragment comes up, some, mm. some other association, and you can connect your, your new learning to that one. Yeah. And if you, if you have a discussion about something, uh, like something you heard in the, this podcast or something you, you learned that you have written down or so, then it's more, much more likely that you will um, save it, actually, and, and, and have it connected to some, some other association yeah. you have. And um, as I understand it, it's not an issue that our memory is not big enough. We can, we would, be, it would be possible mm-hmm. to to know a lot more than anyone has known so far. And uh, the problem is that we, it's not structured in in the heads. So we need to. It's it's a different thing than a, a computer database, and we need to connect it. So yeah. we can pick it up when when it's uh, yeah suitable. Cool. Yeah, very very interesting stuff. And obviously, the the book is filled with uh, lots of material like this. A lot of individuals and teams might find useful um, applying in their in their day to day work. Did you write your book using monotasking? Did you use yeah. some of those techniques? Yeah. Like uh, like you basically just you know took your took your method in your in your own writing. I did. Yeah. I did exactly like that, I but uh, but I would say again that this doesn't mean that this is the best uh, method for everyone. But I mm. think that if if you read something like this, a book like this, then you will learn a lot of things, and maybe you you can try some some of these and test them, and maybe some some will suit you, some will not suit you, but you will learn more about your own productivity and. Yes. and Absolutely. I also see uh, coaches, scrum masters, leaders working within organizations, increasing agility, taking some of the research you have put together in that book um, and providing the evidence to to really run some experiments within the organization, right? So there's continuous improvement going on uh, within organizations, uh, change management, and uh, some of those concepts could, uh, could be applied to any of these efforts and run some experiments on are they showing the same impact as they would do in an individual uh, productivity improvement also on, on other levels? So I think this might give some uh, food for thought for, um, for some, some employees and, and organizations listening to that and says, I take a piece of that and run an experiment and see how that goes, just like the task switching or preventing task switching um, and, um, and possibly do take the breaks and things like that. We discussed um, uh, or, or not finishing a task by the end of the day, things we have discussed here. Uh, in this podcast together and just like try some experiments. But again, the book has many, many more. 
Um, you also mentioned uh, in your in your book that someone, I think there was a little side story where somebody actually got a, a promotion, probably not only because of that, but somebody got a promotion. And uh, one thing was that somebody started listening to podcasts in their transition time going from home to work and using that transition time effectively. So somebody listened to podcasts and got a promotion out of it. Now, I cannot guarantee by listening to Angel FM that uh, you will be getting a promotion uh, out of this uh, thing, but you might be listening to this uh, in your car right now while driving. So please drive safely. Uh, but uh, transition time is also part of uh, monotasking and um, and to use that wisely could be having really, really good benefits. So thank you, Stefan, for being my guest today and uh, sharing your thoughts, great thoughts on monotasking here with me but more importantly, with all the listeners out there that are um, possibly already or will be becoming interested in monotasking. Thank you so much, Stefan. Thanks, you. Been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Joe Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.com. FM. Talk to you soon.